In this episode, we touch on the tough topic of what happens to our children after we're gone and how we can best prepare. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Welcome back, everyone. Today we have a tougher topic to tackle. Wow, that was a lot of alliteration. <laughs> um, sure. But yeah, it's it's a tougher topic because I'm talking about the thing that's on every parent's mind when you have a disabled or severely disabled child. And that's what happens when we're no longer around to give them that level of care that we know they require. Right. It's kind of the almost like a nightmare because you're like, I hope that everything is okay after I'm no longer here. Like I'm completely able to take care of them while I'm still around. But then after that, things are kind of thrown into question. I mean, unless you have a plan that's already set up in place, you're kind of in the unknown. I want to tell you guys right off the bat that again, Matt and I, we are not like financial planners. We're not experts in any of these fields. So we can't give you specific advice. But what we can do is tell you who to go to essentially, or what are some things you should potentially look into when you are planning for this. And the first piece of advice I would say is make sure you do have a plan. That's the first step right there. Right. And I think the other thing that comes to mind is almost Dave Ramsey a little bit. I'm not sure if you remember the gazelle and the cheetah. Do you remember Mm -hmm. ever talking about that? It's basically breaking it down is the cheetah fastest animal and the gazelle is much slower. However, about half the time the gazelle gets away. And the question is why? Because based on that logic, the fastest animal should be able to catch a slower animal. But it's the cheetah's going out for lunch and the gazelle is running for its life. So you almost have to be extremely intentional about your finances and making sure that everything is kind of in place or you have a solid plan about what is going to happen in the next 10, 15, 20 years from now. And then just be extremely consistent and following through every year, month, whatever, to make sure these goals are actually coming into place. Right. And this is important regardless of what level your autistic child is at. So whether you have a higher functioning autistic child, a lower functioning autistic child, it'll be more important if your child is on that lower functioning end, because you're going to definitely need to make sure that you're covering things like medical expenses, therapies, things like that. You don't want that stuff to just like suddenly vanish for your child once you're gone. But it's still important for the higher functioning kiddos too, because they may not necessarily be able to be independent, even though they're higher functioning, they might still need assistance, guidance, they might need a personal assistant to help them with everyday things. It's still very relevant. So our first advice to you is to make sure that you have some sort of plan, or at least the beginnings to some sort of plan should the worst thing happen. And the first place that you can do that is essentially making sure that you do have some sort of will, you can have like a living will or trust in order to get that ball rolling. Now, the reason this is really important, and this would be part of your estate planning, is because in this estate plan is where you will decide who's going to end up being your child's guardian in the event that you should pass away. Now, Matt and I have been pretty darn terrible about this one. If you are like us, 
You don't have a whole lot of friends and it's kind of hard to find that person. So I want to make you aware that this is something you will need to do. So as soon as you are aware of this, start looking. If you don't have any friends that you feel comfortable with that role, if you don't have family that you're comfortable with that role, this is the time to start trying to make new friendships and new relationships to see if you can at least develop a relationship at some point with someone who you would feel comfortable with doing that. And this can be a difficult thing because we've kind of gone back and forth because we do have family, but it's will whoever we pick as far as family be able to raise our daughters in the best way possible that Leah and myself would be able to raise them. And that's kind of where it becomes a little bit more tricky because we have family, but we're not sure, okay, at the end of the day, what type of care would they be given? And we're just not sure. So we have to keep kind of weighing our options of best candidate, I guess. <laughs> and it has to be somebody that you trust because this person will basically be the one who's responsible for your special needs child best interest. They're the one who's going to basically make the decisions on their behalf. So you're going to be giving this person a whole lot of power over your child. So it's really important to find the right person. Now, I have heard that if you can't find anyone, you can get somebody like legally appointed to you kind of like at random, but that person doesn't know your child. They don't have a relationship with your child. If your child has special needs, I mean, honestly, I personally feel like it's possible they could discriminate against your child. So I feel like that's just not the best way to go if you can avoid it. Now, if you tuned into the Embracing Autism IRL video spinoff series that we have, they're on YouTube right now, and we do interviews with a bunch of different people in the autism community. You will have heard us interview Andrew Comoro. He is actually a CFP, I think it's a certified financial planner. He has planning across the spectrum, and this organization is specifically dedicated to planning all sorts of financial stuff when it comes to specifically the neurodiverse community. He himself is autistic. And so if you feel like you are not financially prepared, I'm just going to throw this out there. He did not ask me to do this. I am voluntarily recommending him to you guys. So I actually genuinely believe that he is doing a really good service for the special needs community and the neurodiverse community. So if that is a resource or service that you need that you have not yet done, I would recommend that you check him out called Planning Across the Spectrum. And I think he had a wide net of representatives that he would actually work with kind of across like the U.S. as well, right? I think that Planning Across the Spectrum is also international technically. He has representatives all over the place. So I'm not exactly sure if he has somebody in every state. I do know it is both national and international. So I would just reach out to them and see if they cover your specific state, location, country, wherever you're at, because I do know he does also do international. And I actually also reached out to him directly because I wanted to see if there was some way that we could collaborate because I do believe in what he does so much. And so he has actually pledged $100 towards Autism Wish to help us gift more autistic children sensory and therapeutic items per everybody who signs up with him for some sort of financial planning, whether that be estate planning, trust planning, or other aspects of your life. They help with a whole bunch of different things. So that's just that quick mention there. It's really more to help you out. But if knowing that you're also helping out the autistic community directly helps, then there's an extra bonus for you. Now, like we mentioned, estate planning is definitely important, but there's other parts of financial planning that is important as well to make sure that your kid is taken care of in the future. One of that is just making sure that you have some sort of financial system set up in place in general to be able to essentially fund your kid in the future. So would that kind of tie in life insurance, essentially? 
Yeah, so that's what we have done. What we have done is we've chosen to sign up for life insurance, and we both have a policy. Right, so obviously if one of us dies or the other one dies, like there's still like funds or whatever to kind of keep the family kind of going beyond that. Now, the trick here is to make sure that the other person accidentally stumbles and breaks their <laughs> oh, neck. <gosh. laughs> <Not> <laughs> and then you get to live in a life of luxury. Not that you're behind anything <laughs> by any means. No, 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 no. Um, just kidding. No, it, we did both immediately pull out life insurance plans as soon as we had kids just to make sure that should anything happen to us while our kids are still young, that we're still covered. We did the really long 30-year life insurance policy. I think that was the longest one that ours offered. That was like a term. Yeah, term life insurance. And some places do it longer, but we felt like 30 years was good for us because our kids are a little bit more on that mid to higher functioning area. So I think that 30 years from now, if we get them enough therapy supports and we get them the assistance and accommodations that they need, hopefully that should be enough to get them situated. And if you feel like you have a child who's a little lower functioning and may need like lifelong assistance, then you might want to up yours to whatever the highest level is that's available from the life insurance company. And then obviously talk to a planner, financial planner, and calculate uh, based on like your income, how much you would need in the event that you were to pass away. Just so make sure that your loved ones are actually covered at the end of the day. Exactly. You also need to take into consideration, like if you are perhaps like in a low income family, maybe you can't afford these sorts of things. You'll also want to look into things like social security for your child. That's something that would help you with government assistance. What that basically means is that if your child meets low income requirements, then they will be able to have access to government and privately sponsored aid. This would include things like in-home care, institutional care if they need to be institutionalized for any reason, medication and other supports like therapy, etc. Depending on whether or not you're going that route, if you end up leaving like a whole ton of money for your kid, that might actually disqualify them from being able to go the social security route. So you definitely want to talk to a financial planner and see which one of those routes is better for you to do so you don't accidentally shoot yourself in the foot before anything happens. And then lastly, I was just going to throw out that, I mean, obviously in life, trying to knock out any debt that you're currently holding onto, because in the event that something happens, your financial assets may be sold off if they're not paid off. And they, they're more of, I think, of a liability than necessarily an asset that can be kind of used or pushed along for uh, family members to kind of use from there. Right. So if you feel like your child is the type who will need support, substantial support for the rest of your life, then your best bet is probably trying to find a way that they will be able to use whatever government benefits and assistance are available, which often means you can't leave them a whole bunch of physical assets when you go. So again, something very important to talk to with a financial advisor. If you already have one, go with them. If you're looking for one, again, planning across the spectrum is great. That's just planningacrossthespectrum.com. And again, they have not paid me or anything for this. I genuinely like them and think they're great. That's basically all I have in terms of the actual financial part of it. 
But leaving a child behind is more than just about the finances. There's a lot of other things to take into consideration as well. One of the things that we have been focusing on is trying to build as much of a level of independence with our kids as possible, given, of course, their specific limitations. So we're working really hard with our occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech therapists. We're working really closely with them to try to continue to meet milestones and make sure that we're working towards an additional goal so that our kids are always achieving something or accomplishing something so that we can hopefully get them to some sort of level of independence by the time they're adults. Now, I know this isn't possible for everyone. There are cases that are quite more extreme than ours, and there are cases where these kids grow into adults and still can't be independent. But as much as you can, to the extent that you can, that is something that I would recommend and we continue to do ourselves. Yeah, so now is definitely the time to roll up your sleeves, kind of get your hands dirty and kind of work one-on-one with your kids to make sure that they can be the most independent that they are. I mean, in our case, our, our children are both very young. So, I mean, we're still focusing on kind of the, the social element as well as the various um, occupational therapy components. I mean, we don't know what the future holds and where they might be in 10 years or so, but we keep focusing on the little milestones to try and make whatever progress we can. So in the event that we both pass away, they will have a little bit more independence than they would if we didn't work with them. And you can start off small. I mean, this can be as simple as like a shopping trip where you start helping making them part of that experience to working towards independence. Like maybe have them help you push the cart, maybe have them help you find certain fruits or vegetables to shop for. Something as simple as being able to get your own food or being able to make a phone call. If you have a kid who has a lot of social anxiety, perhaps an older kid who's able to make phone calls, instead of making the appointments for them, write out a script for them to memorize, practice it, role play, and have them practice making phone calls where they schedule their own appointment. If you have a friend who's willing to role play over the phone, have them do that. Or just have other kids their age come over and role play that way as well if they're willing to. This again is for more of that moderate to higher functioning end. But on the lower functioning end, you really probably need to focus a lot more on that financial advising part, seeking a lawyer to look into like a trust fund, perhaps some sort of like special needs fund. Those are the sorts of things that you'll probably want to do. And of course, the biggest piece I think to all of this is honestly building those relationships because at the end of the day, you need to find that person that you trust. I will note after a little bit of digging, I did find out that when it comes to the more severely disabled autistic children, those are usually the ones that will be able to find some sort of like residential funding. So usually if your child is severely disabled and you do pass away or they end up needing some support, that is something that will be easier to find when it comes to that lower functioning end of the spectrum than it is for the moderately to mildly disabled adults, whatever you would call that, whether that's higher functioning, moderately functioning, it's harder to get funding for those individuals. So when it comes to that part of the spectrum, you're going to have to take that into consideration with your financial planning and estate planning and all that with your child as well. So that's something to take into consideration too, depending on where on the spectrum your child may lie. Now, if your kid is on that higher functioning end, there's a couple of things that you'll want to do to make sure they're most prepared for should the worst happen to you. 
One of those is to make sure that they seek some sort of employment if they are old enough to do so and that they get job coaching. This is something that is available to autistic individuals. It doesn't have to be a whole bunch of like a full-time regular job. It just needs to be basically minimum wage, just a few hours a week, something like that to help with their self-esteem and to show their position in the community. This might help them in the future get a career, but at least it's something that you can support them currently with and can kind of help them transition into adulthood once you're gone. Another thing you can do is have them volunteer in the community. There's a lot of adult programs that will help when it comes to volunteerism. They can find mentors this way. They can connect with other children this way. They might even be able to connect with other autistic children or teens, however old your child is, by doing some volunteerism. This is for higher functioning. The third thing you can do is while you are able to make the most out of any sort of training or educational opportunities you can find for your child, whether that's like one-on-one support or anything offered by local adult services, if you have an adult child who's with you, this can be like work skill programs or any sort of like money management and just those like life skills that a lot of teenagers typically try to get. This is another thing that you can do just to make sure that again, you're putting your kid in the best position to be able to be independent in the future. Make sure that you are helping them in social opportunities. This is something that autistic children and adults alike struggle with. Right. And should be focused on. I mean, it's it's not just focusing in the event that we pass away. It's just a ongoing, this is something that should be worked on. And there's a ton of opportunities for this. There are a few organizations and programs that are specifically focused towards special needs and autism and things like that. Some of these are like the Challenger League, the Special Olympics. Easter Seals is one that I've recently learned about. And there's other organizations that have either state funding or scholarships or grants that help your kid get into some of these programs or get funding for some of these opportunities. So I would look into that. Some of these you can start really young. So you probably can start now depending how young your child is. But again, they do go through adulthood. So that's a great way to get them engaged and involved in the community as well. The last two things, and again, this is more for the adult side as well, but the adults who may need support. So if you're planning out for your future, making sure that your kid, adult child is making the most of any sort of independent living supports that are available. Sometimes they have transition supports too. When you're transitioning from like teenager into adult, they might have some sort of transition homes or things like that for the disabled. Just look at your local community. Every state is different. Every county is different. So what support you have varies, but they exist. So definitely dig into your local community and see what they have when it comes to that transition period between like teenagehood to adulthood. And again, if your child's way too young for this, it's never too late to plan for this though. You can put something like this in your will, I would assume, or your state planning where you're saying like, this funding is to put them into this place should they hit this age, etc. And you can basically just custom make that. The very last thing is something that we touched on on our financial episode, and this is signing up your kid for SSDI, which is Social Security for Disabled Adults. This is when they reach age, of course, but this comes with basic funding for healthcare, and that's something that can essentially help if your child's currently covered under your health insurance, but once they outgrow that, they're going to need some sort of healthcare coverage. So all of this is stuff for you to think about long-term. If you're listening, your child's really young, a lot of this isn't relevant yet, but it's just good to keep it in mind that these are things out there for when your child does get older, and it might be good just to make a list and kind of jot these things down and just start planning ahead 
ahead just in case. Yeah, we definitely keep it in the back of your mind. I mean, even, I mean, our children are very young, both under five. And we think of like, what steps can we do today to provide for their future and make sure that they are in the best circumstances, given the fact that we will both pass away at some point. Exactly. <laughs> one sooner than the other, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which oh one it's going to be. We'll see. Depends how oh, happy you make me as, oh a, <laughs> as a spouse. <laughs> yeah. And again, there are things like having siblings take over as that person. And that gets kind of sketchy for me because I always worry about the neurotypical sibling having their life essentially ruined because they end up having to be a de facto caretaker. That's something that I would talk to the other sibling, if at all possible, and make sure they're cool with it and they're actually okay and prepared. If you don't feel like they are, I would still go the route of finding somebody who's a dedicated caretaker. And I would definitely try and have these open conversations with family and friends. I mean, I know it can be extremely painful and awkward, but I mean, it's better than waiting until something actually happens. And then at that point, everything is kind of thrown into jeopardy. So please have an open dialogue with family and friends and try and figure out what is the next step. And a lawyer. <laughs> and an <laughs> estate too. planner. Yeah, right. And everyone <laughs> just else. Just get that the we whole team mentioned. together. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's all we really got for you today. Mostly this whole episode is me saying, please refer to somebody who knows better than us, but just make sure to do it. Yeah, just jot it down on an envelope and get to work, I guess. Yeah, because this is something that we're currently working on. We actually have not finished this for shame. We really need to, but it's something that's really, really important. So we definitely need to get on that ball. And I recommend you all do too. There we go. Thanks, everyone. All right. Bye. In summary, we discussed why it's important to make sure your finances are in order for your child before you pass to include discussing things such as life insurance policy, estate planning, social security, housing, and more with a qualified lawyer or financial planner. It's also critical that you start building relationships now in order to find a guardian who will care for your child after you're gone. Tune in next week as we chat about the loneliness and social isolation that often is felt by autistic children and answer questions such as, what do I do if my child is rejected by their peers? How can I help my child build social relationships? And how can I reduce the emotional impact it has on my child? This is Embracing Autism.